straight into the word. I feel a, a, a shift. I needed that so bad. Thank, thank God for that. I um, just want to honor Jesse and uh, all the musicians. I don't know where they went and the singers. Uh, can we give them a hand for letting God use them? So I, I really, truly needed that. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Let me hear an amen when you have it, please. Amen. It says in verse 14, we're going to read up to verse, uh, let's say 20. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. In other versions, they would say worship. They worshiped him. Verse 16, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set a liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Can you imagine having regular old service and Jesus walks in through the door? It says that he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Son of God, anointed by the Father, anointed by God, to do a work that He was called to do. He went through the regions, preaching and teaching the gospel, healing the sick, setting the captives free, raising the dead. This was Jesus, the Son of God. He walked in to the synagogue. He was he was not, it wasn't a planned thing. He wasn't an invited guest. Man, he wasn't on the flyer. Amen? He walked into the synagogue. We want, we want God, Jesus, to walk into our services. We don't need to put him on the flyer, on the Facebook. We want him to come in and do what he needs to do. That's why I enjoy today, because we just let him be God. And sometimes we get in this routine and this mundane service thing and we don't let Jesus be Jesus. And we need to let Jesus be Jesus, not just in our services, but also in our daily lives. 
that he would walk into our morning, our afternoon, our evening, every, every single time at our lunch hour, that we would see Jesus invade our life. Because when Jesus, when we allow him to invade our lives, he invades others through us. Jesus, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He was teaching and preaching. He was going through all the synagogues in Galilee. And they glorified him. They worshipped him. Because they knew this, this man is different. This man is no ordinary man. This man is totally different. He's God. He deserves and is worth all worship. And he goes to Nazareth, and just as he was doing in Galilee, he goes to Nazareth, and his intention is to preach, is to teach, is to heal. And he tells them his mission, his vision for his life, his ministry. If you want to know the ministry of Jesus, it's right here. This is the mission of Jesus. He tells the attendant, can I get the scroll of Isaiah the prophet? Now, mind you, to read a prophet's book in a time and a season that it would make sense for your own personal life, this was not a coincidence. This was a moment that the Father was creating, that Jesus was being led by the Father and the Holy Spirit for this moment. He asked for the prophet Isaiah's book. And he begins to read these verses, which back then they didn't have verses, but he begins to read this passage of Isaiah. Now I want you to think about Isaiah thousands of years before. Writing this in his little house with maybe a, a, a lamp, obviously not electric lamp, but a, a candle maybe. And, and prophet Isaiah is praying and seeking God. And Isaiah writes these, this passage that he doesn't know exactly when it's for. Thousands of years later, here's a man by the name of Jesus Christ walks into the synagogue to read the specific passage that Isaiah wrote thousands of years later that is for the Messiah. And he's about to read this. And Isaiah wrote it a long time ago. And Jesus gives the mission. You want to hear the mission? Let's hear the mission. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The spirit of God was on Jesus. The spirit of God is on you. And he has anointed you for a reason. God doesn't give his spirit upon a people and anoints them for nothing. He wants to use you. You have a call over your life. He ha you have a ministry over your life that you're still discovering. I don't know what it might be, but God wants to use you. 
If God has used you in the past and you feel like God can't use you anymore. That's a lie. God wants to use you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And here are the reasons why. Not just to sit on me, not just to be on me, but to be released out of me. Amen. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The good news. I bring good news and the good news cannot be preached without anointing. Cannot be preached without the Holy Spirit upon me. It requires revelation from the Holy Spirit. It requires anointing. Many people preach, but not the good news. Jesus was preaching. He was anointed. The Spirit was upon him to preach the good news. You love the good news? That Jesus died and rose again and forgave us for our sins. To preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Another thing that requires the anointing and the Holy Spirit is to heal those that have been broken hearted. Whatever your heart has been broken by, if your heart ever has been broken, if your heart is broken now, God is here to heal your broken hearts. And it requires anointing. You look, uh, psychology is fine. Nothing wrong with it. And it helps. But there's some broken people And no matter how much they talk about it to someone else, they need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to heal their broken heart. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. You need anointing and you need the Holy Spirit to set the captives free. And we need to do that. We can't be a church. We can't be a group of people that when we see someone captive to sin, one of our friends is in sin. They're captive by sin, by addictions. We can't be a people that ignore that. We are anointed. The spirit of God is over you and over me, over us. And he has anointed us. To set the captives free. To bring liberty to those that are captives. Who do you know in your life that is captive to something? That you can bring liberty to. But you haven't yet. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you don't feel comfortable. But if you're comfortable enough to hang around that person. You should be comfortable enough to want to set them free. Maybe it's uncomfortable and that's okay. Bring liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. You need anointing and you need the Holy Spirit upon you to bring sight to the blind. Literally and spiritually. Physically and spiritually. We're living in a world that's blind. A world that cannot see. Blind leading the blind. 
falling into a pit. Christians that can't see. Can you believe that? Christians that don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know their identity. They don't know who they belong to. They're blind. They need people like you, anointed. People that know who they are in Christ. To bring sight to the blind. This is Jesus walking in to the synagogue and he's reading this. And all around him are people just like this. They're sitting in the church that he's in. The brokenhearted, the sick, the blind, they're right there. And he's telling them, I am that man. I am that God that can set you free. They're right there. They're in that town. They're in the area. They're in front of him. And he's telling them, I'm the answer. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. You know anybody that's oppressed? Maybe you're oppressed. You don't know what oppressed means? I'll tell you. Oppressed is when it's something else outside of you. Pressing down on you. With evil, with evil thoughts, with imaginations that, that sometimes you don't know how am I thinking about this stuff constantly? It's, it's thoughts that the enemy is placing on, on people. They're tormented in their minds. They have believed the lie in their lives. They've empowered that lie. And now they're oppressed by that lie. And they open doors because they do things that they shouldn't be doing. So they open doors and demons come in and begin to oppress Begin to, to, to mess things up for you as you open doors. But he came to bring liberty to the oppressed. Look, I can say by experience what it feels like to be an oppressed Christian. I know what it feels like. I'm talking from experience. Sitting in church, preaching. And not being totally free. Amen? But Jesus walks in to set at liberty those who are oppressed. With a few words. With, a few, with one word sometimes. With Jesus saying that he loves you. When you're feeling alone, when, when he comes and says you're not alone. Simple as that. He removes that oppression. Instantly with truth. It, it's, not, it's not a good preaching that sets you free. It's the truth that sets you free. The truth. We need an encounter with the truth. All the lies that you feed yourself. Sometimes you're worse on yourself than the devil is. And God wants to speak good things into I have good plans says God. I have good desires for you, says God. Don't be oppressed because you're a child of God. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, 
the year of Jubilee to set captives free, to forgive debts. Debts are being paid. The captives are being set free. There's freedom in the air. There's freedom. In Jesus, there's freedom. Amen? Then he closed the book. It says book. I don't know if it was a book or scroll, but here it says he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and then went to sit down. And everybody was looking at him. Like, whoa, what was that? All the eyes are on Jesus. And Jesus sitting down says, this passage, these words are being fulfilled before you today. Today, God wants to set the captives free. Today, he wants to make the blind see. Not tomorrow, today. Today, he wants to bring liberty to the oppressed. Today, this scripture is fulfilled before you. He's sitting down. And he began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What is he saying? Look, the spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me to do this. Preach the good news. Heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Bring sight to the blind. And set liberty to those who are oppressed. Today, this word is fulfilled before you. Meaning, you need this. You need this. You may not know it, but you need it. That's a good preaching. That's a good word. But see, they didn't believe him. And if you know the context of this passage and where he was at, Nazareth, they didn't believe him. He's in Nazareth. This is the Jesus that we're so excited about. We know his mission. But he's in Nazareth. And if we keep reading, let's keep reading. Join me, please. Verse 22. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which he proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not? Don't we know this kid? Didn't he grow up here? I think I know his parents. He said to them, listen to this, please. This is very important for our growth here. All of us individually, this is very important. Verse 23, he says to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Because he's from Nazareth. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows, if you know these passages, think about these passages that he's talking about. But I tell you truly, many widows 
were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine through all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath and the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So Jesus is saying, when, when there was no rain in Israel and there was a famine and widows were hungry, the prophet didn't go to Israel. He went outside of Israel and helped the widow outside. Take note of that, please. Let's keep reading. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet after Elijah. And none of them was cleansed. None of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Oh my, we can't miss this. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, listen, look, look, please look at their reaction. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built. That they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Man, there was such a good preaching just a few minutes ago. But it took a left turn. Because they didn't believe him. They were sitting there in front of him. And they didn't believe him. Because they felt too too comfortable next to him. They knew him. Yes, it's faith. But you know what else it is? It's honor. They didn't honor who he was. They didn't honor who God called Jesus to be as his son, the Messiah. They didn't honor him. And where there's no honor, nothing supernatural happens. Where there is honor, all of these things are possible. I could tell, you can tell they didn't honor him. They wanted to kill him after. We need to honor the authority, the anointing of the people who are called around us. We need to honor those men and women of God who are sitting around us right now. And honor what God is doing through them. Like when Jesse sings and he leads and we honor God. We, don't, we, we honor God, but we honor the person that God is using at the moment. And if he says, raise your hands because he's feeling something, we raise our hands. Because we're honoring the authority, the anointing on that person's life. When Kevin comes up and talks about tithing and financial things, we honor what God is doing through Kevin. But we don't just honor and say, great job, Kev. Great, great preach. We obey God. And we do as God is saying through Kevin. I know it's Kevin. Sorry, Kevin, I have to use an example. 
I know it's Kevin, and we grew up with him. We ate cereal with him in the morning for breakfast. I don't know if you guys ate cereal, but I did. You know, we know Kevin. We know goofy Kevin. I love you, Kevin. But when God is using Kevin, it's not Kevin, just Kevin anymore. It's Kevin partnering with God, and we need to honor that. We need to honor who God is using, or else these things that we want for our church will not happen. I'm sorry to tell you, it will not happen. All of us here, we want our church to grow. We want to see miraculous things. But if we don't honor, y'all, if we don't honor, it won't matter. It won't matter. And let's not, let's not get it twisted. Honor is respect. I don't want to paint a pretty picture. La la land. This, it's respect. Respect what God is doing through that person. This part, you know, it's tough. But that's what happened here. That's what God spoke to me. So that's what I want to tell you today. We need the culture of honor here. And when God is using someone, that we honor God is using that person. God himself is speaking right now. And when we honor, we will receive. The Bible says, when you let a prophet in your home, you will receive a prophet's reward. What is a prophet's reward? Word from the prophet. It's not money. It's not stuff. It's what the prophet brings. If we honor the prophet, if we honor the man and women of God that God is using, then God will give us that reward. It's backwards because we, we expect people to just give and and we don't honor we gotta honor can you believe this jesus is telling them look the same thing happened with elijah they didn't honor elijah so he went outside to the other widow i don't want kevin or anyone else to go outside that god is using i want them to be honored here My wife and I included. Amen? So that God can give you what you seek and what you need. And when you, and it's your time, that we would honor you the same. Man, they kicked him out. They pushed him. They shoved him out. Get out of here. You're you're Joseph's son. Get out. We know you. Talking about set the captives free. We know you. They kicked him out. They, they took him to a cliff and they were about to kill him. In their hearts, they had already murdered him. And I don't know what happened there. Jesus, I don't know, did the matrix thing, froze everything. And just walked in their midst and left Nazareth and did not come back. We don't want that. And we, we won't have that. Amen? Not if I can help it. That's a good word. All right, let's pray. Let's build on this culture of honor.
Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.